Matthew chapter number 16. Uh, look again with me, verse number 13. And we'll read through, <clears throat> excuse me, our text. And um, we'll review very quickly. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Excuse me, I, the Son of Man, am. And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Notice where the Father is there. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed, we're praying preaching on this subject, the house that Jesus built. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of being in your house. God, we thank you for your word. God, your word is what we need. God, these people have gathered here to hear a word from you, not from me. So God, I pray that I would decrease, you would increase, and God, you'd get all the glory. God, I need your grace, mercy, and forgiveness now more than ever before. God, just as every day I do. God, every moment I need it. And I ask that you'd help me now to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, God, move the lost man tonight to a place where he understands that he can be saved. God, help him to understand the, the knowledge of Christ, that faith in Jesus alone will save him. And God, it will produce in him a life-changing event. God, I pray the church will be encouraged tonight and the lost will be evangelized. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin tonight, I very quickly want to review, as I've already mentioned, last Sunday's message uh, and, and, and point out a few additional things therein before we move forward. In verse number 12, we first saw the location, that's Caesarea Philippi. Then starting in verse number 13, we saw the conversation. There in verse 13, we saw the question that was asked, the comments that were made in verse number 14. And then we saw in verse number 15, the primary concern for you and me, who do you say, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? By the way, that's still the primary concern tonight and will be for the rest of our lives. Who do we say that Jesus is? And so we saw in verse 16, Peter's response. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then we saw the revelation in verse number 17. He said, Jesus said unto Peter, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then in verse number 18, we saw the rock. Now tonight, before we go any farther, I want us to first look back into verse number 17 there in Matthew 16 and notice for just a minute what Jesus says to him. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. The Greek word there used for blessed, it's used many times throughout the New Testament. In fact, Matthew and Luke seem to use it the most. It means blessed, but it means more than that. Supremely blessed. It means fortunate. It means well off. It brings to my mind that, that old Gaither song that says, greatly blessed and highly favored, imperfect, but forgiven child of God. That's what we are, right? We all are that. And so we can all agree tonight, I think. Can we agree on something? Say yes. Amen. 
We can all agree tonight that when Jesus says you're blessed, you're blessed. And that's what he says right here. And so why is, why is Peter so blessed? Because of the revelation from the Father that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's blessed because he knows that. And friends, so are you and I tonight. We are blessed above all people having the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now hear what I'm going to say. Say, I'm listening. To know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, friend, to know that is better than knowing all that there is to know in all the world. Would you agree with that? But only if you believe. See, Paul said, you know, when Paul was uh, speaking to the Philippian jailer, he did not say, if you know that Jesus is the Christ, or if you simply think that Jesus is the Christ, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You say, what do you mean? 2 Timothy 3.15, the apostle Paul speaking unto the young Timothy there, he said, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, now listen, through faith in which is in Christ Jesus. Now, it's great to have education. I've told you that before, but education does not equal salvation, right? We must believe. We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I got to thinking about some application here. In the construction industry, uh, many times the people on the ground uh, doing the work, they don't have confidence in uh, the plans that have been provided for them simply because uh, the educated architect, not uh, he doesn't always have real world experience. Now, I'm not bashing any architects. Hey, we can't build things without them, right? But listen to what I'm going to say. Uh, those who have both education and experience can design some beautiful buildings and provide plans that work. You see, just because something works on paper does not necessarily mean it will work in the field, right? Right? Now, if you're a builder, a contractor, and you've been provided a design, a set of plans, uh, and you do not apply that uh, education, if you will, into that scenario, it's simply due to one thing, a lack of faith. A lack of faith in the design and the designer, right? You just, you really don't think it's going to work. And you say, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me put it to you like this. Concerning salvation, without the application of the knowledge of Christ to your personal relationship with God, there is no salvation because you have no faith in the God-man and His plan. You say, well, I, I thought we were supposed to have heart knowledge, not a head knowledge. You've got to have both. You've got to have both. Before it can move to here, it has to come in here, right? And so when you hear the gospel, how can they hear without a preacher? You've got to hear the gospel, and then you've got to receive the gospel, right? And so in the words of that great theologian, G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle, right? But it's only half the battle. Now let me remind you tonight that the battle gets harder the longer it's waged, and it costs you much more. So why don't you end the war in your soul tonight and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now in contrast, Peter is blessed for knowing that Jesus is the Christ, but those who do not know, they are cursed. In fact, John 
says they are condemned already. Brother Mike preached that text this morning. They are condemned because they believe not, right? And so church, I want you to understand something tonight. The reason we ought to have a burden for the lost is because they are lost. They're, they're on their way to hell tonight and, and they're going to that place where Jesus himself said, the fire is never quenched and their worm never dies. Personal, by the way, their worm, they possess it, belongs to them. The rot and death decay that's in the place called hell, friend, it is personal. It will belong to you if you wind up there. But friend, nobody can walk out of this building tonight not knowing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They've all heard, you've heard. And so I want you to realize to know that Jesus is the Christ, hearing the gospel, to know that and never believe on Him will only bring a greater degree of punishment in the place called hell. Hmm. So we see the blessing here. Peter is indeed blessed. Now notice the building. Jesus again says, I will build my church. The word build there means to be a house builder. Now we know the Lord Jesus in His earthly life. He was the son of a carpenter. We automatically think of wood, uh, but quite possibly that involves stone. No doubt the house building there did. But this word means more. It means to construct or to confirm, and it is the same word, by the way, that means architecture. Now listen. Every architect, no matter whether they graduated with honors or they just got through with the, you know, the, the lowest grade possible to graduate, every architect knows that without a solid foundation, the structure will not stand, right? And before the building goes up, the foundation must go down. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when we think about this building called the church, the Father, who is the master builder, He was planning to lay the foundation stone before the foundation of the world. He laid it on the bedrock of Calvary on Golgotha's hill, the rock-shaped skull. Paul, quoting Isaiah 29, 14, says in 1 Corinthians 1, 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In verse 25, he said, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God stronger than men. And then in verse 18, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The power of God was displayed in the man Christ Jesus through his earthly life. The love of God was demonstrated on Calvary. That same power delivered him from death and will one day deliver us too. Uh, Jeremy Camp says it like this, We have hope that his promises are true. In his strength there's nothing we can't do. Yes, we know. There are greater things in store. He will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. Why? Because that same power that rose Jesus from the dead, rose Him from the grave, lives in us. That same power lives in us. And so we understand the blessing and the building. And going back to our original outline concerning the conversation, we've seen the response. We've seen the revelation and the rock. Now notice the responsibility. Now the automatic question when we think about responsibility, uh, we, we go to this. If Jesus said, uh, upon this rock, I'll build my church. If he said that, then how do I have any responsibility at all? Right? Jesus is going to build it. So what do I have to do? 
Well, notice verse number 19. He says, I will give unto thee, he's speaking to Peter here, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now notice what the Lord has automatically done here. In verse number 18, Jesus spoke of hell's authority. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what he said. So he speaks of hell's authority. Now he speaks of heaven's authority. Do you see it? Verse 18. Excuse me, verse 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So you know as well as I do, the one who has the key has the authority and the ability to open the door. Right? I mean, we have folks here on Sunday morning here way before uh, any of us ever, ever arrive and they're unlocking doors. Why? Because they have the key. They have the authority. It's been provided to them by our pastor to come into the building and get things ready for the day. Right? Now, God had left that key in the hand of the nation of Israel, but its leaders did not use it. Matthew 23, 13, Jesus speaking unto the scribes and Pharisees in that great chapter of woes, He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. They were preventing people from entering the kingdom. Friend, I want to say to you today, uh, it'd be a real good idea if you and I would not do that. We need to be aware of when we witness and how we witness. We need to have the right words and the right understanding before we go about doing more damage than we do good. And so we need to educate ourselves in the Word of God. And so we see that Jesus, or that God had put that key in the hand of the nation of Israel, but here in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus gives it unto Peter. You say, how could he do that? How could Jesus give that key to Peter? Simple. He's the one they belong to. Right? In fact, all the keys belong to him. The keys to everything. Revelation 1.18, John records the words of Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. He had those keys. Isaiah 22, 22 says, and I'm paraphrasing, the key of the house of David lays upon his shoulder, speaking of Jesus, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Then in Revelation 3, 7, John's record confirms Jesus saying, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. And so here the Lord says to Peter, I give the keys of the kingdom to you. That's impressive, man. Peter would use those keys to open the doors to the Jews in Jerusalem at at Pentecost in Acts 2. There Peter would give them that same great profession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In fact, he would point his finger uh, in my mind. That's how I see it going down. He would point his finger at them and say, you killed him. That's what he says. And so we realize that Peter used that key to open the the door to the Jews. But then Peter would later use that same key to open the door to the Samaritans in Acts 8 verses 14 through 17, and then again at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter number 10. But that authority was not limited to Peter. In fact, Matthew 18, 18 uh, seems to indicate that all the apostles were then included. And might I add, 
that somewhere in that mix, Judas was. So we see that authority was given to them. We see that further evidenced in the life of others, such as Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, and then later in the life of the one born out of due time, the Apostle Paul. You say, well, what's all this binding and loosing about? Well, here in Matthew 16, in the context of what Jesus is saying there, it is in the building, the establishment of the church, right? Now, in Matthew 18, when Jesus speaks there, it is in the context of dealing with a brother who has sinned against you and also in the context of prayer. And let me just say this, there is a way to deal with conflict in the house of God. Amen. Matthew 18 gives us specific instructions on how to deal with a brother who sinned against you. And so if we're going to be the people of God, we need to walk by faith and operate the way God says operate, right? And so uh, there in Matthew 18, it's in the context of dealing with a brother who sinned and also in the context of prayer. But it's probably best explained in John 20, verse 23, when the Lord Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You say, well, Brother Shane, there ain't no man can forgive my sins. You're right. No man can, but the Son of Man, who is the Son of God can. And what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that when we act in accord with God's holy word, we have the authority to declare the judgment of heaven because thy word, O Lord, is established forever. Friend, if Jesus said it, we can stand on it. He's the rock. So what's this key? He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Again, quoting the Apostle Paul under the young preacher Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That word known in that text, it, it, it means, it suggests to have knowledge of. We've already established that. Then there's the word that wise there. It comes from a word that simply means to render wise. And so the Scriptures... It is the Scriptures that make us wise for salvation, but we must still have faith unto salvation. So the key that gives one access to the kingdom is the knowledge that salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Peter's profession is the rock on which the church is built. Amen? It's the very foundation. And when the proclamation, when the gospel is proclaimed, They are presenting another the key to open heaven's door. The gospel proclamation, that's the key. That's the key. You remember in Revelation 3.20 when the Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now I know the context that's written in. I know who it's written to. But friend, for just a second, I want you to consider the simple question concerning the voice that you hear in your heart that is the Spirit of God. You've heard the gospel. You know Jesus is there. You hear Him in your heart. So what opens the door to your heart? It is your faith. Your faith. You'll not open the door and allow Jesus to come in if you don't believe that He's all of who the Bible says He is. Will you? 
No, you will not. It is faith that opens the door. So we see Peter had this authority. The disciples had that authority. But it doesn't stop with those. You and I today, we have that same authority. You say, I don't believe it. Well, friend, listen. Jesus finished His work. Christ came to proclaim liberty to set the captive free. Isaiah 61, 1, Luke 4, 18. He accomplished His mission on the cross. And through His death, resurrection, and ascension, He led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Psalm 68, 18, Ephesians 4, 8. And now we who are saved are free in Christ, recognized by our indwellment of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty, right? And so we have that freedom living in us and we have the key and our ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were, though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Amen. You say, well, Matthew 16.19 says that Peter has the keys. Sounds like there's more than one. Well, the Greek definition there... Uh, of that word that's translated simply suggests a key. Singular. Sounds a whole lot like to me Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Friend, there's only one way. There's only one key into the kingdom of heaven and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. Well, notice verse 20. Verse number 20. Then He commanded them, His disciples, He commanded His disciples that they should tell no one that He was Jesus the Christ. You see that? You say, Brother Shane, I'm glad that Jesus didn't ask me to tell anybody about Him. You know, I, I'm sorry. That verse is not for you. Amen. You say, well, I thought every verse in the Word of God was for me. Friend, it is, but we need to realize who He's speaking to in this moment. He is speaking straight to His disciples. And where it goes for us is over in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we call this the Great Commission, but as our pastor has alluded to in days gone by, many times it's the greatest omission in our spiritual lives. Simply uh, stated, we just don't witness like we ought to. Now can I say a simple word here concerning walking by faith? Can I do that? Will you all allow me to do that? Do you walk by faith on a daily basis? Yes or no? We're supposed to walk by faith, right? We say many times from the pulpit that we're not to walk by feelings, but by faith, right? We say that concerning our salvation. Salvation is not a feeling, it's by faith, and that's exactly right. Now, friend, uh, if you come looking for a feeling at salvation, you'll walk away still looking. But if you come by faith in the Son of God, you'll walk away a different person, and you'll have a feeling. Now, look here. The great truth that we are saved by grace through faith... We shall walk, the just shall live by faith. Now, now listen to what I'm saying. Salvation does not primarily concern our feelings, neither does our sanctification. Amen. I'm going to get down in the trench with you, okay? Listen to what I'm going to say. I, I tell the young people that sometimes. That's okay, y'all can laugh about that. Now look here. If we don't walk by our feelings concerning faith and salvation, why should we walk by our feelings concerning sanctification. You say, well, sanctification is the process of us being changed through life. Now listen. Every time we omit the Word of God, let me say it one more time. 
I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Every time we omit the Word of God in our daily lives, you know what we're doing? We're not walking by faith. We're walking by our feelings. You say, what do you mean? I'm preaching myself right here, okay? So listen to me. Every time I choose not to witness to somebody because I'm too tired or I think they will not listen, I'm walking by my feelings. Every time I fly off the handle on my kids because I'm tired and they've rubbed me the wrong way, you know what I'm doing? I'm not walking by faith. I'm walking by my feelings. Are you with me? When we do that, friend, we are not doing what the Bible says. The just shall live by faith. Yes or no? Now, every time in our homes or in our workplaces that we combat an argument with an argument or hate for hate or discouragement with discouragement or strife with more strife, if every time we're degraded, we cut the other person down like corn, you know what we're doing? We're living by our feelings. Every time we say no when the Spirit says go, we're doing one of two things. A, either we really don't believe what we say we believe, or we're saying to the lost man, I really don't care if you go to hell. Jesus tells His disciples here in Matthew 28, 19, plainly to go. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. You say, Brother Shane, can God really use me? Absolutely. Friend, if He can use me, He can use anybody. I can tell you that right now. God can use you. You say, okay, how? Well, according to Peter, Christ who is the living stone, He takes us who are made from dust and turns us into living stones as well. Now this is very interesting to me. Brother Nathan Thomason preaches it like this. He said, uh, we become a chip off the old block. In fact... How how true that is. Jesus is the living stone and He turns us into living stones. You see, Matthew 16, Jesus gave Peter a new name, right? But He gives all of us a new nature. He changes our lives. Man, there is a transformation that takes place. We once were dead, now we're alive. We once were a sinner separated from God. Now we become a, then we become at salvation a saved saint separated unto God. I once was a loser, lost and condemned, but the very moment I stood on the rock that is Christ, friend, I became a winner, and now in life or death, I'm a winner either way. I once was dead in Adam and nothing but breath-filled dust. Did you hear what I said? I once was dead in Adam and nothing but breath-filled dust. But now I am alive in Christ and the very breath of Almighty God lives and breathes within my spirit. I've been born again. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am a living stone. And so are you. Peter says it like this, verse number 5 of 1 Peter 2, You also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Therefore it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, that's Jesus, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame.
You say, can God use me? Yes. Just make yourself available. The word go in the text, in the Greek, it carries the understanding of go as you are going. And so in your day-to-day, when you go to the workplace, when you go to the store, when you go wherever you go, friend, just go for Jesus. I tell a story sometimes concerning some of my work history. Before I came to Hillcrest, in fact, several years before I came to Hillcrest, I, I, I was in the construction industry and I would go into the same service station every day. I would buy diesel fuel. I would buy my morning breakfast uh, in that gas station, that service station, almost probably five days a week. Maybe I would be in there sometimes seven days a week. I would go in that same gas station. And as I would go in there, there were the same two women who worked the service station desk almost every day, the time that I would get there. One was a, a, a white lady in her late 50s, early 50s, I'm not sure. The other was an African-American woman. And they would be in that same place every morning as I'd go in. I would buy my daily goods and I would look at them and I'd say, has anybody told you they loved you today? I can still see it in my mind. Every day I do that. Anybody told you they loved you today? They'd say, well, no. And I'd say, well, I love you and the Lord loves you. I do that day after day, day after day, day after day, day after day. Through the process of time, those two women began to confide in me. I was out for nothing but the glory of God. One of those women had a daughter who was messed up in drugs and alcohol. She went to rehab. That daughter had two children. Those children were going to be placed in foster care. And I went in that gas station one morning and I met that woman, as I always do, and I'm not sure if I said those words that I said to her on a daily basis, but in just a matter of seconds, she broke down in tears. She said, I need to talk to you. She pulled me off to the side and she began to tell me the story of her daughter being in rehab. And in that moment, she looked at me and she said, I cannot raise these kids alone. Will you help me? And in that moment, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. What am I going to do with two more kids? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so, Miss Candy and I, and Miss Candy's mom and dad, we began to help her with those kids. I would have never had that opportunity had I not been going for Jesus. Now listen, that other woman, the African-American woman, she began to come to church at going for First Baptist Church. And within a matter of months, she joined the church. Now listen, it's 2007, 8. I don't know what it was then. But she became the first African-American member of Gornsville First Baptist Church. The deacons were tore all to pieces. They said, Brother Shane, she's the first African-American member of our church. And I said, man, this is 2007. Where have y'all been? You You know what I'm saying? Listen, there's no race or nationality in the kingdom of God. And so concerning those individuals who have different color, friend, Jesus loves us all. Thank God. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in His sight. And so 
I'm not boasting in what I've done. You hear what I'm saying? Friend, God had made a change in my life. And I wanted everybody I come in contact with to know that Jesus was my Lord. He had changed my life. He took me from the depths of hell and He raised me up and put me on that stone that's precious. The one, the cornerstone, the one I could build my life on and my ship wouldn't sink. Friend, I wanted everybody to know that Jesus. You know the problem in our lives so many times is we forget about that. How He took us and changed us. How He's made us into something something new. A trophy of grace for His glory. You say, well, God used me. He will if you'll just be available. Just be available. And so we're to go. But notice right here, we're to give. He says, go therefore and make disciples. We're to give. First, we give them the truth, the gospel. Man, there's nothing else that can change an individual other than Jesus. We give them the truth that is the gospel. But secondly, we give them our time. And friend, for everybody in this room tonight, that's where we struggle the most. Giving our time. Saints, don't be selfish. I'm preaching to me. Listen to me. If we're going to teach individuals all that Jesus has commanded us, it's going to take some time to do that. You say, well, Brother Shane, that might be for you, but that's not for me. I'm just not comfortable doing that. Friend, can I say something to you? I don't mean to be rude or crude. Friend, listen, concerning comfort, I'm certain that you and I can forsake a little bit of it for the cause of Christ and will not hurt one bit. And concerning comfort, I am quite sure that Jesus left the comfort of heaven and He came and found Himself, placed Himself concerning the cruelties of the cross, friend, for you and for me. So why don't we just give up a little bit of our comfort for His kingdom? We're witnesses in more than one way. Lots of times we use our words, but many times we don't. And in those times, whether it be good or bad, friend, we're still a witness. And so we need to realize that the only reason that Jesus leaves us here on this planet is to be a personal witness for Christ. You say, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can. You already are. Good or bad, you already are. Now listen, do you submit to God's authority in your life daily? You say, yes, I do. Well, then friend, you're a good witness. Do you reject God's authority in your life? Yes, I do. Friend, you're a bad witness. Do you keep His Word or deny His Word? Do you submit to His authority or resist His authority? Do you live for yourself and your kingdom? Or do you live for Christ and His kingdom? We're to go, we're to give. Now finally see the goal, the glory of God. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You say, Brother Shane, can I really bring God glory? Yes, you can. You can. Brother Danny Lovett, you've heard him preach from this pulpit before. In fact, he mentioned this one time when he was here. He used to carry a business card with the gospel on it stated something like this. If we meet and you forget me, you've not missed much. 
But if you meet Christ and forget Him, you've lost everything. Friend, I don't know what you're missing in your life tonight, but if you're missing Jesus, you've missed it all.